and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We're back with our midfielders version of our 2021 to 22 season preview as part of our FPL Lounge long weekend. Andy is joining me as always. Andy, I mean, midfielders seems to be almost where FPL is perhaps won and lost now. There are just so many options because so many, um, I guess, forward-looking players in FPL or in the Premier League in football are classified as midfielders, which just means that there are just so many options. It's quite a lot to, to kind of get, I guess, get your head around. Um, but also, you know, there are still only five places in in one's team for midfielders, and some of these are, are going to be pretty pretty expensive. I mean, would you say that that, that, F, that the midfield is where FPL is kind of won and lost now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about won and lost. Um, so, so certainly, there's a lot more options, isn't there? A lot more different price ranges of players, um, different performers uh, in, in terms of the regularity of of, of, of being rotated or, or, or whatever. I think it's um it's interesting that there are so many more midfielders, or at least it seems like that. I haven't actually you know counted them up on on, on FPL, but it seems as though there's so many options in midfield that there are points, particularly like as you say, with a lot of the kind of particularly wide forwards being being um, categorised as midfielders that you could arguably uh, ha- should you should arguably have in in FPL like a sixth uh, midfield option and and maybe take one away from from the forwards because there's there's so few kind of forwards really um, available like you only have two goalkeepers so I mean arguably you could you could perhaps only have two two forwards and have that sixth midfielder but yeah lot lots there and and the decisions that you make um, can can certainly have big swings on your season in all of the different categories of price. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we've gone with the same kind of format as we did for for our defenders. I guess very similar to, to the keepers, although the keepers was was a, was a little bit different just because of the lack of price, uh, price lack of range of prices among goalkeepers. Now we're going to be going through some premium midfielders, but priced between nine and a half million to twelve million, or I think up to twelve and a half. In fact, that 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 you know that we like compared to some of the others that we don't. Then there's a bit of a middle ground midfielders uh, section between price between seven and nine million, and then budget so that's six and a half million and below. I guess Andy, we might as well start with our premium midfielders because yeah, you know there are there are lots of options and we're not going to go through them all, but we are going to go through the ones that we that we particularly like. And I guess maybe this is maybe this is a very easy place to start because you know these two players get paired together all the time because they play for the same team and they're both premium premium midfield assets, Mo Salah and and Sadio Mane. I think some in FPL. Uh, FPL land, FPL Twitter, FPL social media, we're expecting there to be a bit more of a price differential between these two this season, maybe even up to a million. But it's actually only half a million. Salah, 12 and a half mil. Mane, 12. Long-time listeners to the FPL land podcast will know where I think we both stand on this. We much prefer Salah because penalties and in general, he just seems to be a better attacking prospect. So he is surely, Andy, worth that extra tw- that extra half a million. I mean, I think he is. I think he is. It's funny because Mane always looks good on the eye when you watch him, but Salah seems to consistently score more often than, than Mane does. And never mind the fact that he's also on penalties, which is something that is becoming a bit of an FPL lounge trope and certainly would be on people's FPL lounge bingo cards if they were if they were listeners from last season. Because we seem to obviously mention it a lot that, that that's a key difference between the two. But obviously Liverpool do win a lot of penalties and um, Salah himself wins a lot of penalties. He doesn't need much of a written invitation to find the turf in 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 the box, does he? So um yeah it's um it is when you're looking at just half a mil difference there that 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 factor of the penalties does does um does really sort of play into it and he's a lot as again it's a bit of a cliche almost becoming a bit of a trope with with Salah but it is true he is more selfish he doesn't pass as much as as Mane certainly used to um he he takes more shots the stats lay that out he has more touches in the box he has more shots in the box than and anyone in the league frankly let alone just just Mane so um you know he gets more chances more expected goals um he if there was more difference, I think even a million for me, I I don't know why, just almost tr- long-term trust there I've built up in Salah would, would make me lean more towards him. I think I think I'd want Mane at eleven before I'd start considering him um, as a, as a viable kind of alternative to Salah. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, 
for me, this feels like the um, it, it, if you're picking just between the two, it feels especially you know considering uh, in our defenders pod, um, you know we were kind of you know, deciding between Trent and uh, Trent and Robbo. This feels like almost easier than than that because I just don't think that that Mane feels as as good a, as good a prospect. And it's not all about penalties, but I think as you say, I mean, Mane looks really good on the eye sometimes, um, but just doesn't seem to always get always get the returns. I mean, I think there, there were some stats there and you might you might have just gone through them, but, you know, Mane's expected goal involvement was seven less than Salah's last year. I mean, it just seems that Salah gets himself in these positions and ends up putting the chances away. And, you know, obviously he's on penalties, which is going to help that expected uh, expected goal involvement. But, but yeah, it seems like a bit, of a, a bit of a no-brainer for me. And as we also mentioned on the defenders' pod, you know, Liverpool's start to the season isn't 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 too tricky. Um, so you definitely expect Mo Salah to be um, to be in among the goals very very early on, and I'm sure he's going to be um, a, a pretty pretty. A pretty hot captain prospect um, in the first few weeks as well. I guess one thing that that we should mention is that both players are likely to be off to the African Cup of Nations in uh, in January. That shouldn't really affect anyone's thinking now, should it, Andy, or will it? Because I guess most of these premium assets, you want them to be in your team all season, really, don't you? I mean, the way we're doing these various previews is often we're grouping players from sim- from from the same teams together. So obviously. You know, when one's compared to another, if they're both off, then it doesn't really matter. But it probably when you if you're comparing to like the Brunos and the KDBs in this premium category, um, then then obviously that 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 does make a big difference later down the line. Um, in 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 the sense of when it comes to you get your second wild card after Christmas and um, what your thoughts might be around picking premium players then because you're looking at potentially up to a month or more of, of those two two being out this early on stage of the season if anything they've had a little bit more of a rest over this summer and um they're they're both starting in pre-season for 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 Liverpool at the moment so it doesn't really affect necessarily you thinking right now and it's the AFCON is far enough away that um it, it, you know it shouldn't stop you from picking them right now I don't think absolutely um yeah it feels like a, a, a yeah I think they're just going to end up in people's teams and, and, and be yeah, especially Salah be be an excellent asset once more. Um, two more players, Andy, in that twelve million sort of price category uh, in terms of Bruno Fernandez and Kevin De Bruyne, both obviously in different halves of of the Manchester divide. I mean, let's start with Bruno, Andy. I know obviously yeah, you know, all long-time listeners will know that you're a big Man United fan. It feels not that long ago, I guess, in terms of time, but in terms of like how much things have changed that. When Bruno Fernandes came into the league and therefore came into FPL, his starting price was eight million pounds, and it's now twelve million pounds. But he's still worth it, isn't he? I mean, it's just utterly laughable to think about that now, isn't it? Can you imagine? Imagine the scenes if Bruno was eight million. I mean, is like eighty percent ownership or more? Surely, like basically, if you if if Bruno's eight million and you don't own him. Why you even bother playing FPL? Like you just don't have any idea what you're doing. It, it would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Um, and it's funny because you and I, I think we've mentioned in a different preview, possibly the keepers one, about our um, kind of segments in last season's pod in the early part of the season where we were talking about the whether certain players were worth their price rises they'd had from the previous season. And Bruno was one of those. And I think he'd started last season at 10 or 10.5 or something. Yeah, 10 and a half, I think. And we, we uh, me particularly, was very strongly kind of questioning, not necessarily, he'd obviously produced incredibly well for United in, in that first half a season that he'd had. But I guess the question was, uh, was is two and a half million, re- was, would, would, we thought, was it really fair? Like, could you expect the same? Because it was such an unbelievable level of output. Could you really expect the same? Um, it, it, it was It was hard to to sort of see I thought but then obviously he's he's absolutely gone and proved it I mean he was the highest scoring player in FPL last season so um it's it's he he, he obviously had an incredible year and and you know to answer your question it does seem like that the 12 million is justified I mean frankly what more can you do than have the 18 months that, that Bruno's had he I think I think I saw something that was um that if if he, he would have could have got close to in his first season 
almost breaking like the record or something of FPL points ever with with you know if he'd replicated his his half season that he'd had um over a full season and and then to be the top scoring player in your second year I mean just yeah super superb but if can he can he I suppose if we're trying to think of any other sides to the argument there it's it would be the same as we've asked this time last year I suppose and it's can someone sustain even a player as talented as Bruno? Can you sustain that level of output? And there's the there's the kind of cliche about how a lot of his points come through through, through penalties. And with the new VAR rules this season, or, or well, I say rules, the new implementation procedures, I suppose, of VAR this year, uh, will 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 that affect things? I don't know. I mean, uh, is there any kind of like you didn't have the greatest Euros? Um, obviously, United have bought fairly well so far this season is is is, is there maybe a case that you know obviously we'll not get onto some of these but is there maybe a case of maybe there are other united assets that aren't now 12 million but like obviously at 10 and a half he was he was a shoe-in obviously at eight he became a shoe-in pretty quickly is his price maybe just putting people off but then ultimately his output is in the same level as the seller Salah's a bit more expensive but it's definitely exceeded exceeding Mane and has also exceeded Kevin De Bruyne, especially when De Bruyne has been injured. So uh, I guess it feels like we're maybe doubting his potential output, but he doesn't re- hasn't really given us any reason to. No, and people never really doubt Salah's output without penalties, right? Like, um, albeit that he is more of a striker than Bruno is and, and does have more shots in the box and stuff, but still that doesn't, or, or even say Kane, right? People don't take, ex- or Vardy, people don't exclude those players, you know, penalty uh, ability. O- o- ultimately, they do still take the penalties. Bruno will still take the penalties for United. So, um, you know, th- that he will, there'll, there'll be points that come from from that. And he, he's a, he's been a consistent performer for 18 months. So it, it doesn't seem fair almost, does it, to to, to, to question that? No, and, and he, he's an nailed on starter, ultimately. Like, like, not that you'd hope that that's a question at 12 million at all, but... Just, just for the sake of clarity, yeah, that there you mentioned that there are might be might be other kind of United players contributing creatively now, and I think particularly one is, is Sancho, who will probably mention in this in this section. But ultimately, even if Sancho, you know, gets himself a consistent starting place in the United side, which which you'd hope for the money they've spent on him does happen, Bruno, it's not going to be at the expense of Bruno. He's still still going to play and contribute. Yeah, I guess um, KDB is, I mean, I'd argue that Bruno is United's KDB in terms of his influence rather than the other way around. But uh, obviously had a bit of a down season last year, completely down to injuries. I mean, he still obviously oozes class and and, and does also ooze FPL potential, both in terms of goals and assists and therefore bonus points. He can have absolutely monster, monster returns. And he's in at 12 million. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be you know about one or the other, Andy, but... You know, I get. You know, what what are the doubts about KDB? If we've got maybe a few about Bruno, despite the fact he's given us no reason to, are there any about KDB? Possibly his fitness. I think it is fitness, and for my own personal research, I think it's something I need to look into more. Really, is is his levels of fitness or otherwise at the moment? Because obviously he he had some problems towards the end of the Euros. He had intermittent problems on and off throughout all of last season, really. And I think those would be the question marks. It's it's interesting because. You know, although Jack Grealish is not yet a Manchester City player, he has more than double the ownership of of, of De Bruyne. The 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 rumours are that the, the, it's signed, sealed, delivered. Basically, the contracts. It's just a case of officially announcing Grealish. And so, by the time people listen to this, or or certainly by the time the season starts, you know, Grealish could well be wearing a City shirt. And given that he's obviously a very creative influence as well, um, and you know, four million cheaper than than De Bruyne in the game, um, if you know. If there's question marks over over, would you outlay the extra four million for someone if there are those question marks over the injury status? I'm not I'm not sure that is something that's going to have to be thought about. That aside, though, when he is fit, he we mentioned I think in 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 the keepers one about Edison being one of the only ones who's 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 who can avoid Pep roulette. KDB is one of those very small group of players as well. And if he's fit and available, Pep trusts him significantly, and that's a big thing to have. The, tr- the trust of Pep Guardiola and it'd be it'd be interesting to see um well yeah he 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 will start if he if he is fit and he's a classy player so he'll return 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess his last fit season, 2019-20, he scored more points than Bruno did last year. So that is his upside. His upside or or ceiling is potentially even higher than Bruno's. So, so yeah, I mean, he... He could be, I mean, I've, I've put on our notes, Andy, you know, sleep on KDB at your peril. I totally understand the concerns about injuries, but I think if you're just, if, if someone's purely, you know, if, if, if they're both fit and they're both as likely to start, I feel like people might be sleeping on KDB over Salah or versus Salah versus Bruno. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think anyone that's going to kind of going to be doubting him. Um, yeah, do so, do so at your peril. Um, I guess his, his Man City teammate, um, is I mean, very well known on this podcast, and he's been someone that, that neither of us are particularly fond on, and I don't think we're going to be when he's priced at 11 million either. Um, Raheem Sterling maybe offers some potential intrigue, and I'm going to leave it as loose as intrigue, based on A, a good Euros, and B, potentially being placed, played out of position if City don't bring in a centre-forward. Um, but I think you definitely want to be seeing him Starting consistently, obviously he lost his place towards the end of the end of last year. Starting consistently and scoring consistently before you're going to go anywhere near an 11 million Raheem Sterling when you've got Kevin De Bruyne at 12. Well, besides the second half of what I'm about to say, which will become clear when I do, it based purely even just on the fact of Sterling's performances for City last season and like you said about Kevin De Bruyne, I just think. I just don't understand how it can possibly be justified an 11 million price tag for Sterling. I mean, he 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 consistently doesn't score when he gets oppor- when he's when he has opportunities. The season when he did score a fair few goals, it's because of the position he was playing and he was getting kind of tap-ins from Sané or whoever pulling it across from the other side, which hasn't been happening recently. If he plays out of position as a striker in the it, traditionally for City when he has played in that false nine role, he's actually had not as good a output, so which you know is the is the irony because he's not kind of a natural number nine. So yes, maybe there might be some intrigue there, and if he does can if he does play there consistently and start scoring, then it is a different matter. But and and here's here's the second part half that I alluded to. All of that on its own isn't isn't makes me very strongly not want to have Raheem Sterling. But and I can't believe I'm about to say this uh, on with the breaking news that is happening on Twitter at the moment of the Lionel Messi situation, if there's any sniff, because it doesn't seem like a more obvious place for, for, for Messi to go than Man City. There's not many who can afford his wages and he obviously loves Pep and Pep loves him, you know, then, then even bigger sign. I mean, if they've just signed Grealish for a hundred mil and they get in Messi as well, possibly even Kane. I mean, Sterling's not getting a look in, in that team, let alone playing out of position. So no, not for me. Yeah, I can't believe that he's... I mean, he was 11.5 at the start of last season. I can't believe he's only had half a million price drop. He's currently owned by just 3% of FPL managers at the time of time of recording this. I mean, it's, it's maybe not surprising, but it's very, very low for, for someone of his price tag. But I did think we should bring him up because he did have a good Euros. I mean, that doesn't necessarily translate into Man City form, obviously, um, but he could end up being, being played out of position. Um, so he could be... You know, we always do look for those out-of-position players, particularly those... Um, midfielders that do kind of play more as forwards, but but yeah, something something crazy would have to have happen for him to be not just in our teams, but uh, you know for us to be able to to, to put him forward as, as a viable FPL asset. I think um, a guy that's I guess a little bit a little bit similar in that sense with question marks over his teammates going into the new season, and but having come off of the back of a very good FPL season is is Son at Tottenham. Um, his starting price has risen by a million. So he's now £10 million, Andy. I think last year you would have been very hot on Son. I think you I think you were at various times throughout the season because his price difference between him and Kane was very similar and they ended up having you know, pretty similar seasons in terms of output. Um, in fact, Kane was assisting for Son goals a lot more and Son obviously gets an extra point every time he scores. Um, but is he worth the million pound price rise? And, you know, we, we've said this a lot before, we've such question marks over whether Kane is in the team sometimes does less well when Kane's not playing, even though he might end up playing through the middle, conversely. So, you know, they seem to know each other so well. Any question marks over Kane might make people sort of buyer beware when it comes to Son. Yeah, massively. I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks over Tottenham. Never mind the Harry Kane thing. New manager, uh, who might be first choice players. Um, you know, for example, obviously not nothing to do with midfielders necessarily, but Doherty was massively out of 
favour before and, and he's got his old manager managing him now. So perhaps he, he might get a look back in the team and that there's similar things. It's almost a fresh start for everyone across the, the pitch, isn't it? So um, what system will they play? You know, uh, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo likes a, a three three four three, doesn't he? Or a three five two. So um, what what's the formation going to be and how would that affect Son? Never mind, yeah, like you say, the extra million will Kane be there? Won't Kane be there? What's the overall uncertainty and just the general like level of unsettledness of players and and and, and everyone around the club? Yeah, question marks. I think this. Unfortunately, I do like Son, but I think I I will be avoid avoiding him this year. And there were a few more, I guess, players that we could have mentioned in this bracket, but none of them really tickled our fancy too much. Um, I guess there is a bit of a question mark over this new guy. I guess sometimes we wouldn't be rushing to get new new signings or players that haven't really played in the Premier League before into our teams. But it's hard not to mention Jaden Sancho. Nine and a half million, Andy, could be an absolute bargain if he manages to replicate some of the form that he's obviously shown in Germany for Dortmund and Manchester United. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, Sancho only only made one start in the Euros for England, but looked fantastic there when he did play, um, albeit against a fairly weak Ukraine side. Um, you know, Rio got a bit of stick on Twitter because he kept mentioning the fact that um, uh, Sancho had had 109 goal involvements in the last three seasons, which was second in the, in the England squad. Um, and yeah, he but he whether he can whether that transfers across from the Bundesliga or not, um, I don't know. There's always question marks. There's a bit of a kind of Premier League snobbery from a lot of English fans, isn't there? I think that often when players come from having performed in, say, the Dutch league or the French league or the German league or whatever, wherever they can re- replicate in the Premier League. But he's young. He looks, he obviously looks um, fantastic every time he gets on the ball for whatever team he plays for. He doesn't have the same issues necessarily as some players when they come over from other leagues in the fact sense that he is actually English um, and has lived in Manchester before and has has kind of roots and friends there um, so the rain already in the so that's not well affect him you'd hope not no uh, and so yeah he he uh, he could well you, you when someone spend when a team spends money like that and they're obviously United have been chasing Sancho for a long time you've got to think as soon as he's up to sort of speed he, he's a pretty nailed on starter as well as particularly with with Rashford's um in injury so at 9.5 he's his price could end up sort of skyrocketing quite quickly too and then very quickly Andy I guess just you know having discussed quite a, quite a few of these now how many of these do you think it's feasible for someone to try and cram into cram into their team I'm sure it's going to depend on what they're attitude is when it comes to premium strikers perhaps and maybe even premium defenders too but I mean is it possible to get like Salah, Bruno and KDB in and if so I guess you'd probably leave Sancho out but Salah or two of Salah, Bruno and KDB plus a Sancho doesn't seem crazy does it? Yeah and probably not I mean spoiler alert before the the forwards uh season preview but obviously there's not necessarily loads of, of premium options there that you'd be looking at so yeah maybe that would allow you to have more midfield ones whether we, we we i did just we did just say sort of with the kdb thing injuries whether that's kind of the the reason that you'd maybe sort of stay away from him and in which case then how many would you even want even if you had unlimited budget like how many of these would you even want right now would be would be something to think about given various kind of potential injuries and, and rotation risks and, and unsettled teammates and, and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know. So then in that case, um, like if you could have Salah, Bruno and KDB, would, would you want all three at the moment? I, I don't know. So uh, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what people do with defenders. I think um, where the money goes, but we've, we've, I don't think you could quite afford even if you really were cheapskate in other positions, I think three would be quite a push. That's a, you know a third of your budget gone essentially. Well, I hope that's uh, I hope that's giving you some food for thought about which two possibly you might be able to get in and see if you can afford a third. Once you've listened to the rest of our season preview pods, um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will be talking about a very crowded middle ground midfielder market. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL lounge. 
Welcome back then. So, middle ground midfielders priced, as far as we're concerned, between seven and nine million pounds. We're going to start with three players, I guess, sort of pending three players, TBC, but almost, I think we're basically signed, sealed, and delivered uh, for three city players. Um, Riyad Mahrez at nine million, and then Phil Foden and Jack Grealish at eight. I think you and I disagree slightly over Grealish, Andy. I think. Um, from 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 you know speaking before before the pod, I think that you're very much in the camp that if someone spends a hundred million on him, he's going to start. But I'm a bit more I don't know wary. I think of Pep of Pep Roulette. We know it. We know what a phenomenon it is. Um, do any of these players seem overpriced to you, or do you think it's about fair? And if so, I mean, Pep Roulette or not, Grealish does seem like the standout option to me. I mean, I'm not sure about going to start I wouldn't say that you, you you said that I said he think that he would he's absolutely going to I, uh, similarly to you I, I I do pep roulette concerns me and I have learned my lesson uh with the Aguero fiasco and many others um to to never trust anything but it was more so just as a as a club as an organization surely surely if you've spent 100 million on someone he has to, I mean that it would just be the biggest like two fingers up to the whole rest of the league if City can just waltz along, whack a hundred million down on a player, the most expensive British player of all time now, and then just play him every now and again. Yeah, feel, yeah, we'll give we'll give Grealish go today. Maybe we'll play Foden today. Maybe we'll play Grealish. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, Messi, you fancy a game in you come, lad. I mean, it it would be ridiculous. So I, you'd think he's high up the pecking order, if not a starter. Grealish um in which case definitely the standout option if that does turn out to be true he's obviously the cheap the cheaper of the ones you've mentioned there he's obviously exceptionally creative had a really good season last season when he was fit um and yeah uh would 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 I'm sure City have a lot of the ball and he'd 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 have quite a free role and provide quite a lot um in in previous years obviously I've, I've been quite a fan of Mares and I think this year before the Grealish signing, I might have been thinking about him pre this season because he's been fit again, like other African players. He hasn't played over the summer. Um, so he, he's got a good chance of starting. He's been playing a lot in preseason for City. Their team in the in the Community Shield will be interesting uh, this weekend. But um, I just think with Grealish coming in now, does that what does that mean for Mares? And it's an extra million that you're putting into Pep Roulette. So it's a shame because for either of them and Foden, I suppose you throw him in as well. If you knew any of them, you could almost say this about any City attacking asset. But if you knew any of them were definitely going to start, then then almost any of them would be would be a good option. So it's hard at this starting point of the season to to say which one which one to go for really. But if you had to pick one, the hundred million pound man is is surely the one. Yeah, I, th- I, I think so. I mean, obviously, he's got a very high ownership at, at the time of recording. Um, I'm guessing that's down to a lot of people, you know, still thinking that he's a Villa player or at least still assuming that or putting him in earlier in, in, in drafts and not updating it post post this news. I mean, do you think that if someone has him in based on his Villa form, whether there's any any reason to get rid of him? On, on, on form alone... I don't, I don't, I don't think so. No, I mean, I mean, it, it's the starts thing that we've just mentioned, right? That's the concern. But on form, no, I think if, I think if you know, or, or it seems likely that he's he's starting that City team at eight million, he could he could just create all kinds of. I mean, obviously they don't really have an out and out number nine at the moment, and that that's that's a problem for City and was a problem last year. But um, if he if they do sign Kane or um, in particular well particularly if they sign Kane Grealish is just an unbelievable option at 8 million yeah absolutely absolutely um let's move on to two Chelsea players again we don't really need to pit these two against each other but I guess it might make us go through these a little bit quicker uh, in Kai Havertz and Mason Mount I don't think either of us particularly hot on either of these although last year uh, we definitely were on Kai Havertz and even towards the end of the last season when he was looking pretty good Andy and I were speculating on the FPL lounge that he was going to end up straight in our teams and we were going to get sucked straight back in I guess maybe one of the reasons why we're not Andy is because of this 
bracket of players is again so crowded and then there are probably other slightly better options but Havertz could end up being played out of position depends very much again on uh, on, on Chelsea uh, arrivals They're, they are linked with uh, you know another very well known former Premier League striker who, uh, who who could shake things up a little bit um, Mason Mount again is another one that for his price seven and a half million maybe not too bad but Chelsea have a difficult start and I think there might be better, better options I mean, sim- similar to others we've said before, for me, Havertz, just, we just we, we said it last season, we love the way he plays, love the way he looks on the pitch, did well in the Champions League, finally that out in that um, false nine position, has started and scored for Chelsea in pre-season already um, in that false nine position um, because him and Werner um, left the Euros slightly earlier than some other players because they were playing for Germany who were beaten by England 2-0 in the round of 16. Hope we haven't got any German listeners, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a one. fact. It's just a fact. There's no, I mean, can't deny yeah. that. It's the truth. Um, so, so they've had a little bit more time to uh, relax and reserve their sun lounges, and um, they are now back in training and have been playing in preseason. So he, 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 you know, until there, is, if there is any arrival of Lukaku or anyone else playing in, as a number nine for for even Haaland, they've been, they've been linked with this this summer. Um, despite the sort of 200 million price tag, uh, he, he he probably will start the, the season at, in that false nine position. So at 8.5 million, it's very tempting. Um, as we've said in other position group previews, though, it's it's the the fixtures. I mean, the first game is is Palace, but after that, they've got a slightly trickier run and one of the more tricky runs of of, of any team. I mean, in fact, by some fixture difficulty measures they have the the hardest opening six games um which which is when you're when you are a big six we've said this before but that's not to be underestimated when you're a big six team because you are one of the trickier fixtures yourself and you can't play yourself so the fact if you if you have the hardest run of fixtures that must be really quite difficult because you can't obviously even include yourself in there they play all of arsenal liverpool tottenham and city in their first six games so um so that that that's that's the tricky thing for Chelsea, isn't it? There, there, and and obviously, as you can tell by my complete lack of even mentioning him so far, uh, mate, I you know to me Havertz does does stand out a little bit over Mason Mount. Um, granted, he got he got sort of a, a pretty good number of points last season, Mount, but um, you know he 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 isn't cons- quite consistent enough with with the, with the goal chances. I don't think to. Um, he gets the odd assist, but doesn't really chip in quite enough with goals. I don't know what you think about him. Yeah, I think he's an interesting, very consistent and steady performer. But yeah, I think I'd want to see see a little bit more. I think, I don't know. I think if I had to pick, I would possibly go with Mounts because maybe it's just a, a slightly safer pick. You know, he's going to play. He's good for maybe five points, but probably not going to get the, the nine or ten that Havers might end up with, I think, is probably more how I'd how I'd categorise him. I think that I understand why Havertz is, is a million pounds more because he has that higher, that higher ceiling. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't dislike Mason Mount as a pick really. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's fair enough. And also ultimately at, at, on his current ownership, one in five FPL managers currently own him. So there's something potentially we're missing there and, uh, or at least I'm missing there. Um, and he did, he did get, he did get, you know, in in the season before last, when he was a bit cheaper, he had very high ownership um, because he really did get in on the goals and assists when he was first playing under Frank Lampard. So um, he, he, he we, we talked him up at a few points last season because he was getting in much more advanced positions. And he seemed to kind of play that false nine role for Tuchel before even Havertz did. Um, so maybe he might rotate and play a little bit there. And it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I'd also be interested to hear off the listeners, you know, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And if you are one of those 20% of people that own him right now, why? What What is it that's making you lean towards Mason Mount? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I guess why we're perhaps not is because we do prefer some other seven and a half million midfielders. And we'll go through, well, group three together here. I think um, we can go through kind of you know, each of their merits. Um, we've got Diego Jota. Mason Greenwood and Nicola Pepe. Um, I mean, I feel like I need to give you Jota and Greenwood, partly because Greenwood, I think, is is you know, one of your favourite Man United players. Um, but yeah, he's an incredible finisher. 
um, does play not through the middle, although it has been known to play through the middle, but but it was obviously you know, more of a wide forward than than the midfielder. Um, I guess what's kind of maybe um, going in his favour uh, at the start of this season is that Rashford's undergoing surgery. Obviously, there is an arrival of Sancho and a fit again Martial, but Greenwood feels like he could definitely be in line for, for starts for a Man United team that don't have the worst, oh, sorry, yeah, don't have a particularly difficult um, first first few run of games. So he, for me, is a real kind of a bit of a boom or bust option, but I think he has massive, massive upside. Um, it is starts, but yeah, I think he could he could really reap the dividends if if someone ends up selecting him in in their game week one team. No, definitely. I mean, there's points where he's he's been on a huge run of form, and he, he's he's his goal potential is fantastic. I mean, I think there are still legitimate question marks. He hasn't quite developed in the last 12 to 18 months how I would fully hope he has done in terms of when he has played through that number nine position. He tends to, whether it's just because he's got used to it or what, but he tends to drift out right even when he is playing through the middle. Uh, and it's slightly concerning. He needs, to, he almost needs like a run playing as a number nine, perhaps even maybe as a loan out to someone else. I don't know. But when he does play on the right, he look, he looks very threatening um, and that's almost maybe to his detriment it's happened to Rashford almost a little bit on the left in that there was question marks earlier in his career about whether Rashford should be a nine um, but then he's he's almost definitely not now I don't think anyone would, would quite be saying would be saying that so um, yeah if 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 Greenwood does get starts wherever that might be on the pitch he's still a he's still a threat at 7.5 million he's very creative he cuts in and he can score on either foot I'd love to I mean the sound as a Man United fan, just you know, you've got to give me a moment here, Chris, because the sound of Sancho, Bruno, Greenwood, Cavani as a front four, I mean, like it just sounds so unbelievably great. I think I just I I would really struggle to accept almost any I, I almost wouldn't want any, to swap that for any front four in Europe, I don't think. I'm I'm struggling to even really think of one, like because there people would make arguments about like Neymar and Mbappe at PSG and obviously potentially City, but they don't really have like an out and out number nine. Um, it, uh, yeah, it excites yeah. me a lot. It, 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 it's good. Like there's less. There's no point in in, in saying that it, it isn't, and it's it's an elite number nine or an elite front four. I think the issue with Greenwood as a pick there is just like you know we rate him. We think he's good enough. We think we would put him in our starting Man United front fours. Does Will Solskjaer, and that's where you know, ultimately we're not football managers, but you know, we know what, what you know what we see on the eye, and we we would therefore I think just opt for the more exciting player. Solskjaer has seemed to, um, and this may change post injury, but has seemed to trust Anthony Martial quite a lot. Whether that's replacing um, replacing uh, Edison Cavani or you know, maybe switching things around somehow but but yeah if anyone's going to lose out on minutes Mason Greenwood might well be that one because it's not going to be Bruno and it might not be Sancho and then when Rashford comes back who knows how they're going to fit him in as well so I think that's the concern but yeah you know if you are going to go for Greenwood while Rashford is undergoing surgery and Sancho might still be settling in a little bit um Martial not quite sure Edson Cavani his minutes have always been managed and then yeah this feels like the time to go for Greenwood when he you know when they're United are only in one competition so he's not going to get you know bunked off into into playing a European tie a European dead rubber in the Champions League or something ridiculous um it's all the Premier League and I think I think at his his price he could be really good value um maybe still not our favorite seven and a half million midfielder though Andy because that possibly is Diego Jota yeah, well, obviously, I was a big fan of Jota last season. I spoke highly of him regularly. I was, it, it was, it was interesting because when, when I was one of the many who, when Liverpool first signed him, just did, could not get my head around 40, 45 million for for him. I had not seen what Liverpool's analytics team had seen in in Jota that would fit into that team. But my God, it's worked. He's come on leaps and bounds. He 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 looks exciting every time he gets on the pitch. He Liverpool are one of the most sort of creative and high goal scoring teams in the league over the last few years and so to have a potential you know you're talking about Mar- uh, Mane and Salah at 12 and 12.5 and then the third kind of fixture in that front three could well be a 7.5 million Diogo Jota I mean it's unbelievable value um, you know not nine goals in 12 starts last season um, has played you know ha- whilst there is a bit of rotation risk 
because he can play anywhere across that front four, gives him better chances. There's question marks over Firmino not signing a new contract at Liverpool. Um, so, I mean, there was question marks over, is Jota a better number nine for Liverpool anyway? But even before the whole contract thing, that, that conversation came up a few times last season as it was. So when you throw in the whole fact that, that, that they might end up having to try and ship Firmino as it is anyway, uh, into that, it's it's just... There's so many options uh, as uh, for, for 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 Jota um, to, to 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 get starts or get minutes, even if it's off the bench, and 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 therefore probably goals and assists like like he did last season. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, there's there's fewer. There aren't many players that I'm looking at and just thinking. I think the more we do this exercise, Andy, the more I'm just thinking. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna be in my team on game week one. Um, and like I say, even if he doesn't necessarily start straight away, I think it won't. He'll be knocking on the door. He's gonna get minutes off the bench. He scored goals off the bench before. He's a bit more expensive this year compared to what he was last year being on the bench. But but yeah, I think he I think he has he has real upside. And uh, yeah, I I can see him definitely being being in my team. One final mention then for a seven and a half million midfielder is Nicola Pepe at Arsenal. Um, not a guy that we either of us particularly are keen on, but did come good towards the end of last year. And I have seen him in a fair few FPL drafts. Um, Definitely, prob- well, I would say probably in line to start for Arsenal, but I think his form towards the end of the last season would definitely put him front of mind for Arteta. Um, but ultimately, Andy, compared to some of the other players in in his price range, probably you'd want to see a bit more before you were investing that amount of money in him. Yeah, definitely. I mentioned in the Defenders preview about lack of trust in Arsenal and Arteta, from me at least, Um he the upside for him is that price versus you know at his best he has looked very good at points um just very very rarely so if he can start producing that more consistently and getting the consistent starts like you say um yeah it 7.5 could end up being a very very attractive price but we're a long way from that point for me yet at the moment i think yeah, absolutely. And then let's round off with uh, four seven million pound picks. Obviously, slightly cheaper, but then I think there's probably good reason why these four are slightly cheaper. Um, two at Leicester in James Madison and and, and I was going to say Ashley Barnes. Then Harvey Barnes. Um, Andy and I famously last year disagreed over which one of these would be in our teams. I think uh, I don't think either of them appeared in many of our teams for off for long because they both ended up being injured. Both are back uh, and have been playing for Leicester in pre-season. What I'm finding a little bit head-scratching, Andy, is that I don't have a clue how Leicester are going to line up in terms of their attacking players this year. Um, they've got Madison, Barnes, Vardy, Patson, Dacca, um, obviously Ian Acho as well. I don't really know how they're going to fit all of these in to the point that James Madison is being linked with the move away to Arsenal, which uh, which may end up impacting some of our other players that in our budget midfielder section. Um, but, I mean, they're also fighting on two fronts with the Champions League. Um, so neither of these appeal massively to me, but I'm going to guess you're st- you'd still opt for Barnes if you had to pick between the two. Yeah, Europa League for Leicester, but say, same oh. uh, same principle. Yeah, I mean it's um I, I, now they're the same price, uh, which they weren't always at all points last season. I don't know. I think I probably would. Um, he seems the more dynamic player to me on the eye. Um, I trust him in terms of consistency. Like when Madison's good, he's good. He scores from long range. This was part of our debate last year. It was a lot of got his goals were coming for long range. Madison, I wasn't sure how sustainable that was. Um, but 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 equally, everything you've said actually would would really kind of steer me away from both of them at, at this stage. Just the uncertainty. I think they both have good upsides and high ceilings potentially, but it's just so hard. I think for or, or well, I think at the moment it's hard to. Uh, I can't honestly say I've done lots of research into it. So maybe there may be Leicester fans out there better informed than us. Um, but it's difficult to know exactly what um, Rogers is thinking is going to be. You mentioned the new signings, but they played, obviously Fafana's got injured. They played lots of different, uh, I know he's a defender, but the reason I'm mentioning that is because they played lots of different formations last season. And with him injured, does that mean they're more likely to play four at a back? at the back rather than three that would influence how many midfielders even at points they had problems last year um, because of uh, well good problems in the sense of so many kind of good central midfielders and how do you fit like Tielemans and um, and Didi and others into the team when when everyone's fit so that that you know if if you play all at both Ndidi and Tielemans that that impacts on you can't 
necessarily have um, both Madison and Barnes, depending on... We, we saw at points Barnes playing up front with Vardy in a two, in a sort of three-five-two formation, um, because of there not really being the space elsewhere for him. So too many question marks. I think that I can't I can't go for either at this point. I mean, I think you're probably going to end up with, with pretty good returns out of both of them. It's just trying to choose which one has the better upside and therefore is, and is it as good as, as, as some others and I think that's where the question mark is I mean if you do end up lumping you know plumping for either of these probably not going to be a bad pick it's just whether there's better out there and I think that we'd both be inclined to think that there possibly is um maybe not from these other two uh Wolf Zaha is again another one who's going to be well known to uh, FPL lounge listeners as a guy that we're not particularly fond of but he is likely to be heavily involved in everything that Palace are doing going forward and likely to be on penalties. Um, Palace do has some pretty difficult early fixtures and you know, he's he's always itching for a move. It will also be very interesting to see how they how they sort of set up under Patrick Vieira. He's not a guy that I'd be looking at straight away, but you know, but who who knows? He could he could definitely find find some form if and when Palace's fixtures turn. And then the final one, Andy. This really is a bit of a punt. Uh, is Ferran Torres um, started up front towards the end of the season for Man City and did pretty well five in the last seven although he did get a hat-trick in one game which uh, which boosts his um, boosts his numbers a little bit um, played sort of through the middle uh, you know for Spain as well uh, you know at, at, at times definitely could do it for City um, so I guess he's a decent option for a false nine if they don't make a very splashy centre forward signing. And that is a, a very big if at this stage, isn't it? It is a big if, and but if it happens, very interesting. I think seven mil for a false nine. Who you know he's he looked well, and arguably not even a false nine. Just, uh, in a couple of games, they was playing as now an out number nine on the shoulder of a, of, a, of 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 the defender. So um, yeah, seven mil if if he's going to get tons of chances provided for him by like Grealish, De Bruyne, whoever else, um, could be unbelievable value. Absolutely. I mean, let's leave it there then. And then we're going to take one final break before we discuss those budget midfielders. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our previous show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. Uh, budget midfielders again. I don't think they're going to make or break someone's fantasy team, but they definitely can be very useful assets. We had some had some huge budget midfielder contributions last year from uh, you know, Ilkay Gundogan is definitely one that stands out, Andy, but also possibly a few, a, a, few uh, a certain Leeds player who we might end up mentioning this time again as well um for you know, for the listener we're defining a budget midfielder as anyone priced six and a half million or below there are a whole number of them but hopefully we can we can sort of uh, sort the wheat from the chaff a little bit here um, and let's start with the two arsenal players uh, one that you're very hot on and one that i'm very hot on in saka and emil smith row i think uh, you're a bit more on saka andy whereas i think and this is a very bold claim but i think emil smith row could be the best value player in FPL this season. Yeah, that 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 is quite a bold claim. I mean, he has been awarded the number 10 shirt by Arsenal, so I don't know if that's sig- how significant that is, uh, if that means he's he's guaranteed starts, uh, but I suppose if he's going to be playing as the number 10 for Arsenal, then then you know 5.5 does sound pretty cheap um potentially. But yeah, on Saka, it's it's just He's so creative. He's so direct. He's so, I mean, he obviously muscled his way into the England starting 11 in some big games during the Euros because he's so reliable. He's, he's strong. He's good defensively. He's good positionally. Um, and, and, and he's the, almost the anti Sterling. I think I've said to you before in the sense that he hasn't quite got like the skill or um, the beating players in, in the same way as Sterling has, but when he gets into positions, his crossing, his passing, his finishing is fantastic. And if he can stay fit and get regular starts, I think 6.5 million for him. Um, I mean, if you, we spoke about uh, Pepe in the, in the previous section, it seems daft to me that Saka, who's proven far more consistently 
in the Premier League to this point so far is is a whole million cheaper. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the key the key point really. Um, anyone thinking of Nicolas Pepe, um, I'd definitely be looking to save a million and get Saka in instead, or looking to save two million and get Emil Smith Rowe instead. In instead, I think that if Smith Rowe does start, and I all of the indications are that he will, um, at five and a half million, he could be an absolute snip. I think all of our issues with Arsenal apply to these two as well. Although Saka did seem perhaps a bit more, um, let's call it Arteta proof. And perhaps uh, definitely, you know, compared to some of their defenders, but also just you know some of the, some of some of their other other attacking players as well. So yeah, it could be could be a really could be two really interesting picks. But I'm not sure if I'll be heading for them sort of in my game week one team. No, perhaps not. And I think it's that is that trust issue with Arsenal. I suppose uh, one thing that would, would would maybe lean you towards them. To, to starting them is is the kind of fixtures fixtures thing and that that isn't quite the case in the first few for for Arsenal but but after that international break the fixtures do turn a little bit for them and so maybe that's a time to to be to be sort of having a look towards those Arsenal players but also I'd say this isn't just like our thoughts or opinions of the fact that we like these two players uh, more so Saka than Smith Rowe but but they were at points the reason that we had so many contributions from players in this bracket last season was because there was points where in say the top five of most um, goal involvements for midfielders were these types of players at various points last season. Like I remember Saka and Rafinha, some of the others we're going to mention in this budget midfield category being above the likes of Bruno and KDB at points in terms of the assist that the potential that they, they were creating, which is unbelievable really when they're, when they're kind of half the price of those players. So yeah, both both the opinion, the eye test, and and the um the, the stats coming through at points for those players last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to a well, I guess kind of a new player in in, in FPL, but has has played in the Premier League before. Uh, Emmy Buendia at Aston Villa. Um, had a hell of a season at Norwich last season in the Championship. Obviously, it was a bit of a step up, but he has played in the Premier League for Norwich before. Did play pretty well, um, but obviously not well enough to stop them going straight back down. Um, I imagine he's going to take on quite a lot of the Jack Grealish mantle uh, this season, uh, now that Grealish has uh, all but departed. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're going to be looking to him for assists. And and the 6.5 million, I think he could be he could be really good value. Again, you know, I don't want to be overly cautious about it. I think I would want to see... Where he where he plays, how much of the ball is going, or how much of the play is going through him, uh, and also maybe uh, as 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 some sort of, you know, may know, I'm sure they will by the time that this goes out. Um, also, how Villa are lining up in terms of their strikers, obviously with Watkins and Ings now as as good options. I mean, I imagine Wendy might be more suited to providing for an Ings, similar to how he provided for a Pookie in the Championship, um, than he perhaps is for a Watkins. But if uh, if Dean Smith can get all three of those working pretty well together, considering Buendia is the midfielder of, um, and the, the others are listed as strikers, uh, he feels like he could be a really good option for potentially a Villa double, double up. Um, so yeah, I am uh, could be fairly high on him, but something is stopping me sort of putting him in my game week one team at the moment. Well, it's but it's probably just trust in Villa when you're losing such a talismanic player like Grealish, isn't it, a little bit? And also seeing where Buendia starts, right? I mean, I know less about him than you, having, having not really watched him much, but... Um, you know, if is he going to be a number ten? Like, is is he going to play off the left like Grealish did? Um, because if with that in signing, there's some people obviously now thinking, and I've seen a lot of suggestion of this that it might not necessarily mean that Watkins doesn't play, but he just might get moved out to the left as he did a bit for Brentford at points. Um, so then that would suggest maybe Wendy is going to be that 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 number ten. But I've also seen. Um, links with potentially Campwell as a, as a Grealish replacement for, for Villa. So that would mean maybe would Buendia be, be moving out to left there? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think he's more likely to play as a number 10. Um, but I guess time will tell. And yeah, I think, I think like, as you say, it's not so much Grealish's departure, because I think Grealish's departure makes Buendia an even more appealing option, because more is going to have to go through him. But I kind of want to see how Villa line up uh, at the minute. I think, you know, we discussed this, I think, earlier in the off-season, Andy. There seems to be um, gathering a lot of very good players and quite how they all fit together sort of remains to be seen. Whereas last last year, I think that their team kind of picked itself. So, yeah, looking forward to kind of seeing seeing how, how they play out. Um, another six and a half million midfielder that I feel like we had to mention because he had a bit of an FPL breakout year last year is James Ward-Prowse. But, Andy, we're just not very hot on this guy, are we? 
well, no. I mean, despite the fact that I know you are particularly not hot on Southampton as a team generally this season, a lot of his points and goals were, were, were coming from outrageous free kicks and outrageous corners, which is great. I mean, I mean... He he is capable of that. Um, it, it's it, it's very it's a very rare situation where he is he does actually manage to consistently produce incredible set pieces, but there's only so much that can that can get you points. Even if you're an incredible set piece taker, you're gonna you'd be lucky to score five, six, seven free kicks in a season. So I'm just not sure the the, the chances of that even happening. I I can't see that it's worth the the, the money for him there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fourth most owned midfielder so far in FPL is Rafinha, six and a half million. He had, uh, you know, I think he was one of the best signings of the season last year. Um, we'll couple him with Jack Harrison, his Leeds teammate, who's at six, so half a million cheaper. I mean, Rafinha, Andy, I mean, you mentioned it when you were talking about Saka. He was top of expected goal involvement lists for much of the middle part of last year. Um, despite the fact that he was one of the cheapest midfielders in the game, or at least he was performing alongside the likes of Bruno and Salah and Kevin De Bruyne when fit. Um, presumably, if he can repeat that, um, this he's a, he's, a, he's a kind of shoe-in for most teams. But similarly, Jack Harrison did end up actually having more goal involvements than him last year, albeit considerably more minutes. So I do wonder if, uh, if, if some people will maybe go for a bit of a bit of a Harrison differential if they're looking to get a Leeds winger in. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, and those those additional points, I think, you know, came from 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 some good kind of finishes from various different players in the, in, in in the team. I think uh, with with Jack Harrison, he kind of massively overperformed on both his un, on his underlying numbers on both expected goals and expected assists whereas Rafinha was a little bit more close to what what he might have expected so that would suggest that Rafinha's performances are more sustainable or consistent or reliable than 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 Harrison's were but um and and more generally did just seem to kind of go through Rafinha didn't it so that that would be my kind of um argument over him but look either way for the amount that they're creating and uh, getting goal opportunities, the both of them um, at, versus their their price, you know, leads very very creative team created opportunities against everyone, no matter who they were playing against last season. Um, and so, kind of fi- fixtures, I guess, often come into people's minds, and 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 Leeds is aren't necessarily the best early on. They play United, Everton, Burnley, Liverpool in their first four games, but they seem to, to get chances against against whoever they played. So um, I guess even if you're not putting them in your team straight away, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how Leeds line up and, and if they can continue that second season sort of form. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so still fairly hot on Leeds, or at least we're not definitely, you know, we're, we're not ruling them out, whereas we are kind of ruling out West Ham midfielders. I think for a similar reason uh, for those that have listened to our, our defenders season preview, um, as part of our FPL Lounge long weekend. Um, because of West Ham's Euro- uh, Europa League commitments, I think we're concerned that there's going to be a bit of burnout in a, in a, in a fairly small squad. Um, although they do have some pretty decent sort of early fixtures before the international break and before the Europa League starts up. Um, very much like last year, Andy. I mean, pick bet- try and pick between Bowen, Fornals, Ben Rahm and Suchek. It's cigarette paper, I think, really between all of these. Bowen's a little bit more expensive at six and a half, whereas the others are six. Suchek is a million pound price rise, having scored 10 goals last year, but is a fairly streaky player. Um, but whereas I think I'd have been tempted by him had he been five or even five and a half, but six just feels pretty steep for a player that that is ultimately a defensive midfielder and all of his goals come from getting on the end of crosses. Yeah, it's, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because how much a season can change things and the difference in the price. Like at five million, there was lots of people who had Suchek in drafts last year, but um, you you know, despite his, I think you said it was ten goals. Um, is is that is that can we really expect that from a from a defensive midfielder, albeit one that that seemed to get forward more and was a threat from set pieces? It seems tricky, doesn't it? And when there's various other budget options we've mentioned here that aren't far off. Suchek's price, you know, or even or even less in 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 some instances, it's it, it seems it seems difficult. And yeah, you've got that West Ham caveat we mentioned for a lot of their players. Um, 
uh, that, that's also true for him and for, for Ben Rama, Fornals and, and Bowen. I think from all of them, we'd want to see more consistency, more more regular points scoring, um, you know, goals and, assi- and assists. So mm, maybe I'm being naive, but there's just none of them that's, that are really kind of jumping out to me. No, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll take a, a quick dive into the EFL from last year and, and, and go for some newly promoted players that I don't don't mind too much. And I think compared to Fornals, Benrahma and Suchek, you know, Ismail Asar at 6 million is a guy that I'd definitely be thinking about. Um, he's had some Premier League experience before and he was pretty good, pretty decent fantasy football option as well, if, if memory serves. Um, and I think he's definitely worth um, worth a potential, potential punt. Uh, he scored quite a few goals for Watford last season. And like I say, he does have Premier League pedigree. I think he, even when Watford were relegated, he was linked with a move to Liverpool. So, you know, clearly got, clearly of the calibre. I think he is at six million, a better, um, a, you know, better prospect and diff- definitely even better value than uh, than, than, than uh, his opposite number, Ken Semmer on the other wing at Watford. And then also Cantwell, uh, and then Wemo of, of Norwich and Brentford, recept- respectively, who are uh, half a million cheaper. Yeah, I think I'd definitely be be going for Saar out of those. And then finally, Andy, in the sort of five million to four and a half million, the, the real kind of budget midfielders, you've got your usual suspects. You've got your Kantes and you've got your Hendersons that might get two points every week, but do very, very little else. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of upside in many others either, is there? Not really, no. People always love to try and find a 4.5 million uh, midfielder because it, it helps enable your other spending your money on on other places in your squad. And there is sometimes the odd one who who might get some starts. I think Dendonka has kind of been a bit of a a bit of a 4.5 stalwart over the years because he's he's got a few starts for for Wolves. But um, Brownhill seems to be Josh Brownhill seems to be in a lot of a lot of squads and he does seem to get a lot of starts. He played a lot of minutes, almost I think three thousand odd minutes for 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 Burnley last season. So he might be a good one to help um, you know enable the the money that could, could be spent elsewhere because you're spending the minimum on a player there uh, as a bench player who might at least still get those appearance points. Um, Basuma is a nailed on starter for Brighton. Um, and so there's potentially an argument for, for him there because, again, you're going to get appearance points and he, he's quite a pretty consistent performer. And, and the, you know, the odd clean sheet point if, if Brighton do keep clean sheets. Um, and it, a bit beyond that, it starts to get a bit tricky. I, I quite like the look of, of Moda, who's a Brighton, Brighton player as well. I'm not sure. Don't follow. They haven't followed their preseason climb closely enough to know how much his. Um, start potential is but just on the eye towards the end of last season he looked I thought he looked good for Brighton and he, he made some appearances for, for Poland as well at the Euros in which he if he might have even scored a goal at, I think possibly even at the Euros so yeah maybe one there but but it, it, it's really trying to sort of scrape the barrel yeah absolutely I think uh, the only kind of two that I'd maybe flag would be Billy Gilmore at Norwich and he's not going to mention any Norwich players the entire season just to let every every, every listener know that know that now um but I don't mind Billy Gilmore at Norwich I think he's just going to get going to get appearance points he's going to be a fairly deep lying playmaker um but could potentially pop up with assists and I think he's definitely going to start every week um Mateus Jensen at 5 million so a little bit more expensive but does take Brentford's set pieces and they they do have some pretty tall center backs although not known for scoring from set pieces so it'll be interesting to see here see if you know if, if he ends up being a being a bit of a creative force but beyond that it really is scraping the barrel I'm sure some and he might end up uh, coming, you know, rising to the top at some stage. So that basically wraps up midfielders, Andy. Plenty of food for thought for all of our listeners there. I mean, if they've got any questions, which I'm sure they will have because we've covered so many players, how can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And again, I can, I'm almost doing these and preempting, like thinking, oh, did we miss that player? Did we miss this player? There's, you know, we're going to get to the end of the season and people are going to, you know, hear this back and, and, and think we're fools for not mentioning so-and-so. But it's difficult at this stage where there's so many potential options. And we've said that almost in all of our previews, but particularly with midfielders, we, you know, we skipped over Zaha, you know, we skipped over plenty of people. We didn't even mention certain others, but, you you, you know, it's a preview. We can't, we can't go down every single player. Um, and um, it'll be interesting but it, it, to hear if anyone on on those um, 
social media accounts at FPL underscore Lounge on Twitter or Instagram could you know if they've got any other thoughts on people that they really think were obvious that perhaps we we missed out or they think really should be being considered for our teams absolutely yeah I'm sure there will be some that we end up missing but yeah if we simply don't have time to go in depth on all of them and there are just so many midfielders that can possibly make your way into just five slots in your FPL team do also remember if you are liking our FPL lounge long weekend uh, season previews position by position remember to uh, rate review and subscribe us uh, wherever you get your podcasts from uh, Andy and I are gonna well I mean after that marathon podcast we're definitely going to need some decompression time before we even think about forwards um, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of soul searching and plenty more research especially uh, as there might be some incoming Premier League transfers that could make uh, strikers a bit spicy. Uh, but Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.